I didn't press record. How shit's that? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. All right. Hello, I'm Nicholas DiLorenzo and welcome to After Mastering, a show where we share in the stories of artists, producers, engineers, and managers about what happens after mastering for you to learn from and make informed decisions when it comes to your next release. Today, I have the pleasure of having Kwaku on with us, who is an absolute superstar when it comes to his releases and putting things out into the world. So welcome, Kwaku. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Definitely. And I'm pronouncing that right. I, I think I always get it wrong whenever we jump on a call. Yes, yes. You're pronouncing it right. Okay, good, good. Um, so you have gotten me really excited. I'm really excited to have you on because of a few things. Number one, I think you put something like 75 TikToks out in anticipation for the for your latest release, um, which I loved seeing. Number two, you got a few thousand pre-saves, if I remember yep. correctly. And number three, within a week, and not having any editorial playlists, you got over 100,000 streams. Yep. Okay. There's a lot to like unpack there. So tell me, where did the drive for all of that start? Um, the drive for all that started when I first started teasing the song, I want to say like in October or maybe in November. Um, and although like none of the videos were like going crazy viral cause it's just like a quick video that I did right after just writing the song. Um, and the feedback, even though there's only like a thousand views or less, the feedback was like really, really good. Um, and it was more than just like people dropping a fire emoji or be like, yeah, like you should finish this song. Like people are like, I need this song. And that's when we're like, this reaction is different. So I should probably see how big I can make this without any, you know, label support or anything. Let's just see how big I can make this on my own. Okay. And is, was this song something that you had intended to release with the same ferocity before this feedback or was this feedback the catalyst? Was this like, was it sitting on the shelf and you're like, okay, I got to do something now. Like people want it. Or was it something that was always in the works, always going to go out? Yeah. I feel like it was more because of the feedback is the catalyst for the drive for let's make it as big as possible. Okay. Interesting. Um, have, had you ever had that sort of kick in the bum on any of your other music before, or was this one something different? to previous um yeah i'd say this one was pretty different um a lot of the other releases you know people could really relate to some songs here and there but this one really seemed to capture people's emotions and like what they were really feeling um so once i like realized that i was like let's try and reach this song and get this song in front of as many people as possible because clearly a lot of people are feeling the same way about this topic Okay, so you've got a very specific goal there. You, you come out of that feedback so, saying, I want to reach as many people as possible. That's like the overarching goal. What did you sit down and how did you plan out the next few months? Like, was it sort of you just shooting wildly or did you have very actionable objectives and goals that you wanted to meet in the, like, moving towards that release date? Um, so the goal was to get a hundred thousand pre-saves. We didn't get to it, <laughs> okay. but the reason why we had that goal is just because we knew if I could get a hundred thousand pre-saves, the release day would be an insane number. 
Um, and like most likely the song would do like a million streams shortly after um, with 100,000 pre-saves. And because those numbers are things that I had never done, I was like, all right, how do we make that possible? Um, and I had been using TikTok to like preview some songs, get some feedback, you know, grow my following that way. Um, so we just figured that like, I don't have the luck of going viral every single time <laughs> with every single post. So let's give as much of a lead time until the release of the song. Um, because more than likely I'll think of something that will work and we'll get with views and get people to pre-save the song. So let's give us as much time as possible and keep on teasing it, doing different things to just try and grow as many pre-saves to try and get to that goal number of a hundred thousand. And, and what did you end up at? We ended up at just under 7,000. Okay. So that, that's still pretty admirable because those are all saved in people's libraries now and in their algorithm and yeah. it's going to be ticking streams <laughs> over. That's, that's really interesting. Um, and on TikTok, cause I'm only new to the platform. You're going to have to just sort of school me here a little bit. Um, that pre-save link, you can't have like a swipe up feature on Instagram. They have to go into your profile and click on the link. Correct. Um, I believe you can do a swipe up on Instagram, but what I've, I've read online and what I've seen when I tested is that even if you were to run like Instagram ads and stuff like that, it's, it's a hard sell. <laughs> it's yep. hard to get people that have never heard of you or yep. never heard of that song to go the extra mile of not only listening, but pre-saving it weeks in advance. Um, okay. so it just wasn't worth the, the money trying to run an ad to like grow your pre-saves. Yeah. So that link sat on your bio on TikTok then. So after that, watch the TikTok that have to click over into your profile. Once they were in your profile, they had to click on the link, which mm -hmm. is, is pretty incredible that you got 7,000 people to do that because that is, it is relatively high friction when you think yeah. of it. Um, that's really incredible. And so you've got 7,000 pre-saves going. Um, on TikTok, you were moving some of that stuff on Instagram. That's how I saw that you were doing it on TikTok. So then I folded back. Um, mm -hmm. Was there anything else going around this that helped push it forward? Or was it, was it purely that sort of TikTok strategy? Um, purely the TikTok and Instagram Reels strategy. Okay. And Instagram Reels was just literally the same content from TikTok put exactly. on two Reels. Exactly. And that's, that's why I said that's how I actually found out about it. If you weren't putting them on Instagram... I wouldn't have seen them on, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even seen you on TikTok, if that makes sense. Like, because I, I wasn't on the platform as busy then. Um, so I'm just going through your, your TikTok to see what sort of content. So you've got the, the most recent one with, I can't remember the name of that TikTok, a Bella Porch, which blew up pretty recently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so like, I don't want to get too formulaic. You know, I don't want to give people like cookie cutter sort of advice or take from you cookie cutter sort of things, but you posted, I was counting, I'm not even joking. I think you posted well over 70 TikToks before the <laughs> release date. Was, what, what, what do you, like, how, how's your creativity when putting things like that together? Are there certain formats that happen? Are there certain practices if people are getting on TikTok that they should be doing in order to grow their following to get people to listen to their music? Like, was, are there any consistent things there that you can recognize that you believe would be universal for anybody listening? Um, 
All I would say is like as crazy as like it might sound of me doing like 70 TikToks for one song before the song was out. Like there are many other artists on TikTok that are doing just as many or more. Um, and it really took me seeing that um, like energy and drive from other creatives that I was like, I should be doing just as much as them. You know, um, I know there was an artist that liked it like day one of trying to make my song go viral. And I think it wasn't until like day 100 and something that his song finally went viral. Um, And that's like, that's a lot of drive, you know? Um, So when you start to see other artists around you doing it, what is stopping you from doing it? Um, So that's basically the principle that I applied for the pre-release of that song. Um, So I was like, let's try every idea, run it. Um, If it doesn't work, oh, well, we still can do a different idea. Um, If the video flops, you just know that idea is bad, not the song is bad, because clearly it's worked before. Um, so let's just think of a new concept. Okay, interesting. And is there anything you'd change about this release, the way you rolled into this release for future ones? Yes. For this one, I'd never done a pre-save cam- campaign before. Um, yep. So this is the first time I'd ever set that up. Um, and I also realized from doing this whole pre-save and TikTok campaign ideas that like you can really just run every idea and you should run every idea before I'd put so much thought into every single video I did. And if it didn't work or if the video like got zero views, I'd think, Oh, well the song is bad. That's why the video flopped when that's not the case after doing that whole experience and seeing what videos worked, what videos didn't, at the end of the day, it wasn't the song's fault. It was the content around the song. Um, so once I basically understand that principle, I'm going to apply that to like all future releases. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because when people are on TikTok, they're not necessarily there to listen to music in a traditional way where they'll actually like sit the song on and listen to it start to end. They're there mm-hmm. for like quick 15-second dopamine fixes and you need to figure a way to sort of give them that rush, give them that hit in 15 seconds. Otherwise, they're just going to keep swiping through or your video is going to go to the bottom of the algorithm. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. I'm liking this. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed that, you know, you've got 5,000 there, uh, almost 7,000 pre-save, sorry, 100,000 plays in the first week. Um, give, me, give me some stats. Give me some analytics. Are you finding that there's any trends happening on your user base that are actually saving the songs that are actually playing it. Can you see any of that data? Are you analyzing any of it at all? Um, yes. I mean, we're analyzing like the age range of the people pre-saving the locations. Um, we found out that like, I have a big market outside the U S which is India. Um, they yeah. took up half of the pre-save campaign um, was directly like from India. The other yeah. half was the U S and the other countries trickled in. Um, we also saw that, um, my, not only was the, the pre-save growing, but also like my platform growth. So like followers on, uh, TikTok and then followers on Instagram. And then we're also seeing more subscribers for YouTube because people are just like, oh, he's got more songs and other content. Let's check this out. Um, so from that whole thing, you just kind of really understand, all right, this is where your base is at. This is the type of music in their age range. Um, and from talking to them, engaging with them, you can kind of hear what they think of your music, who they think you sound most like. 
So when you understand that the people that like your music think you sound like these other artists, that's better targeting information for you instead of you just running down saying like, you know, I'm the next Jay-Z or I'm the next Drake or something like that. You're having real listeners tell you what they think you are. Um, whether you want to hear that or not, it's better for you because it helps market your music um, and you can better understand how to relate to your um, base. Yeah. And out of curiosity, what was the, what was your age demographic coming out of TikTok? Cause I, I'd have my own sort of theories about, it being a younger age group, what, what did it end up being? Um, it was mainly like 18 to 24. Um, yep. And then the second largest was like under 18, um, okay. which is great because I mean, I'm making pop R&B music, you know, and that is the audience for that. Um, and I think it was a good fit hearing them hearing the song and then the song also related to that age demographic. So that's why I think it worked. That's, yeah, that's that's really good data. And also gender would have been, there would have been, I, I'm assuming, because I'm going off my own analytics across social media platforms, a more balance between male and female coming from TikTok than other platforms. Mm-hmm. Was that the case for you as well? Yes, but I noticed with uh, this song, it actually brought in a much larger female audience base, which was okay. helpful because <laughs> the song would relate more to females. That's awesome. That's really cool. I, I'm sort of smiling here because I'm like, it's very funny. Like there, there are a lot of, like, a lot of really great pop artists, especially independent people. Um, and they're trying to put their music, like trying to grow a Facebook following or Instagram following. But you know, you think about like when everybody started picking up Instagram seven, eight years ago, and they're all like in their mid to late twenties now. So it's mm-hmm. like, whereas the TikTok, TikTok strat for especially pop music is really smart. I'm really happy you've got those sort of data points and analytics to work off because um, that's a huge asset to you. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And what w- I know you work with your manager as well because I saw a few TikToks on calls with him. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, what 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 was sort of their feedback? What was their what was their take on everything? Um, I think it was super helpful for him because for the longest time that we've been working together, I think it's been like three or four years. Um, the biggest problem has been like, what is my genre? Because it kind of bumps around from like pop, R&B to hip hop. Yep. So for the longest time, he was like, I don't know how to market you. Like what audience works best because we don't have the budget to market you to everyone, you know? Um, and doing this whole thing, it's like, all right. We're starting to understand your your base and your audience now because these are the people that are reacting to your music. Um, not only are they listening to Stuck, but they're also listening to your other songs. Um, so it's clearly showing that this is your who your audience is. These are the other artists that they think you sound like. That is a direction that you should probably feel more comfortable going. And on a creative front for you as an artist, do you feel as though knowing that demograph- demographic either limits your creativity because you have to sort of cater to, to this demographic creatively, or do you think it helps your creativity because instead of just having a wild amount of options and being able to produce and create whatever you want, and then sometimes you don't create anything, you've got a direction and you can feel a little bit more focused and driven. Like which side are you on? You're like, Oh, I'm a little bit held in or, Oh, okay. This is a good control mechanism for myself. Yeah. I would say that, 
recently I felt like, ah, like now I have to write songs like this to hit that audience. But at the same time, I also know that like, you know, the sound that I feel most comfortable with is the sound that my audience likes. So now I don't have to worry about like, oh, I'm trying to do this like very unique sound that I think only I would like and do. But like now before, if I'd be afraid to do that sound because I'd be like, I don't know who's going to listen to it because it's different from what other people are doing. So I know it's going to be hard to promote this. But now that I realize that that sound resonates with people, I, I'm no, I don't have that fear anymore of doing things that I think are just uniquely me. Um, and at the same time, although I feel like, oh, I'm kind of like now held into this area that I have to do for people because that's where they found me for. At the same time, I also like from engaging with them, they like when I do other things because it's like, oh, he can do that too. Like it might not be like their most favorite song of mine, but they still, they're music lovers and music lovers majority of the time like to hear their artists experiment with sounds and do different things. Um, So I do kind of have at least that, you know, favor of, them, my fan base being young and open to new sounds. So I don't have to worry too much about that. Yeah. And, and we can also like in discussion, consider that um, their first touch point with you, especially when you're getting 7,000 pre-saves, isn't your music. It's like, mm-hmm. it's your personality they're connecting with. Then it's your music. So they've got that more, They've got a connection to who you are as a person, not who your music is as a person. So if you were to change it up or you move around or try something a little bit different, they're a little bit more open to it because they're like, okay, this is Kwaku. I know Kwaku. He was on my Mm -hmm. TikTok. Okay. Oh, cool. He's trying something new. That's all right. Whereas if it's a band or they save one of their songs and they're put in a specific playlist and they're listening to it and then another one comes up and they're like, well, what's this? This isn't my vibe because they don't have that sort of... I saw this, I discovered this, this is my personal connection with the artist. Yeah. So that, that that's really cool. That's really cool. Wait, h- how long have we been working together? Two, three years now? A little bit? Yeah, I'd say probably about, I think since like 2019. Yeah. Did you ever think you'd be getting 7,000 pre-saves on TikTok? Uh, back in like the start of 2019, no. Because <laughs> actually I think that there's a video of like uh, a session I think we're working on maybe O3 or Domino's. Um, and in that session, my manager was in that session. And he was talking about like, hey, like I keep on telling him he needs to get on TikTok. And this was like in early 2019, you know, uh, when like that TikTok wasn't as big as it was. And he kept on being like, yeah, like I think it fit him for his personality and just like, cause like his music. And I just kept on being, I was adamant and not doing it. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I would never do that app. I just, I don't want to do corny TikTok music and blah, blah, blah. And then like a, well, not even a year later, that becomes like my biggest platform. <laughs> That's crazy. And and why was the pushback at the start? Was it because of the main sort of demographic and stigma around it? Or like, what, what was sort of like, what was the initial pushback? Or was yeah, it? Yeah, I'd say it's more of like, since I didn't use it and didn't know anything of it, I it was more of like, oh, I'd only heard like a few songs blow up from there and they'd be like the, you know, the the TikTok, like the yeah, typical I know the- TikTok songs, you know, like the ones that are very like cheesy or just very like commercial, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I could write a very, very commercial cheesy song just to go viral, but I don't want to do that. 
Um, and that's what my big pushback was with him. And he is like, but if you're going viral, does it matter? And I'm like, it does matter to me because then everyone expects me to do that music and I don't want to. <laughs> Fair enough. Interesting. Um, and do you, right now, are you more open now having gone through this experience um, if another platform were to arise to be an early adapter or would you still? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah? Okay. That's, that, that's interesting. That's cool. <laughs> I've definitely learned my lesson. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Um, and, and I also wanted to touch on something while we're together on this, um, the pre-save link, there are so many different platforms for pre-saves. I was really curious um, which one you chose to go with and why. And what was its mechanism? Was it also following you on Spotify? Or was it just adding it to people's playlists? Or was it harding the song when it gets released? Like, what was the platform you chose? What was the mechanisms it was doing? And why did you choose it? Yeah, I think there are like maybe three or four different ways to set up a pre-save account. Um, I think if you were to do, is it DistroKid? They make one for you. Yeah, the um, HyperFollow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't use DistroKid. I use TuneCore, so TuneCore yep. does make one for you. So I was like, all right, I'm going to have to find a different platform to make the, the pre-save for me. Um, and I found out that Smart URL does. Um, and I'd use, I use Smart URL to do um, smart links for my songs. If, uh, if I'm not doing the, the link tree for my bio, I use yep. Smart URLs. Um, so I was like, I already have Smart URL. I already have like a whole bunch of data in there and on an account. So like, if it's already there, let's just do it through that platform. And that was kind of my decision and re reasoning for why I chose them. Yeah. And how many people clicked on the link versus how many people pre-saved? Oh, that I think it was like around like 40,000 people had like clicked on the link. Yeah. Um, 7,000 had pre-saved. That's pretty good. That's still like what? Seven, seven times four. That's 28%. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very good. That's very good. And then, and then, on top of those 40,000, you've probably got 100,000 plus that have viewed the profile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, that's, that's really cool. All right. Are you nervous for the next release then? Because um, it's, it's a very high bar you've set. And I'm not trying to put yeah. the pressure on. I'm just curious. So, you know, is there anything? At, like initially once Stuck was out um, and the numbers were coming in, I, I was nervous for the next release because I was like, oh, no, like, what if like what if this is like the biggest I'll make it? Like can like the next song top this? It doesn't have the same meaning or like message or anything like that. It's just more of a fun song. Um, I'm like, so I don't know if I'll be able to top that. But at the same time, I realized like it's not. I know for the longest time, I'd always think of this quote saying that you're only as good as your last release. Um, but now I'm starting to think of it as like. I've done it once before. I know I can write more and I know I'll get better as time goes on. So if the next song doesn't top stuck, that's fine. Cause I'll write something eventually because it seems like all of my biggest songs and biggest song moments, I always thought I was never going to write something bigger than that. And then next thing you know, even yeah. if it took like a year later, I did. So because it's happened now, like maybe like four or five times or maybe more, um, I, I'm less worried about that. And I'm also really curious then, um, you said you started this campaign in October for a release that happened. I think it was last month it came out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a lot of lead time. That's October, November, December, January, February. That's five months 
do you f- do you feel like you'll wait another five months to your next release and put in the same? No, so you'll have it in a shorter period of time. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we started doing like light teases in October or November, um, but like the full like real push for the last track started. I think I want to say the start of January. So it was like pretty much like. Okay. End of December, start of January, all until like February 19th is when it dropped. Um, and doing that, like looking at the peaks of like the pre-saves and all the other stuff, um, we kind of figured out that like that was a lot of time. <laughs> and it made sense why we chose that much time because we just didn't even know if it would work in general. Um, and now we realize we don't need as much time. Um, how, how much time do you think fi- you feel you need now then now i feel like it can be done within two to three weeks wow um but it just really depends on how big you can make the the videos go um so like i don't think yeah none of the videos went over like a million views um on either platform tiktok or instagram instagram it came close um but we now see that like if you were to do it in a shorter amount of time frame, if one of those videos is going viral or did go viral, by the time the song drops, like there'll still be a lot of energy around it. If you wait too long, people already get tired of it. Um, so that's started some of the stuff that we started to see in the last week of the pre-save campaign. And I think in the last week before the song dropped, I think I only like teased the song and did two like two or three videos. Um, cause we realized that like now we're starting to get people commenting, like, just drop the song already. Like stop doing teasers. Why are you waiting so long? And we're like, all right, people are getting annoyed. So let's, <laughs> let's just drop the song. And then that's when we can start doing some like more like videos for it. Um, but yeah, because of that whole experience, we kind of realized that you can't wait too long. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And f- moving into the future, is there anything you're doing? actively or even maybe in the background that you're conscious of to future proof the Kwaku brand, because at the moment um, there's a lot of traffic on TikTok and socials. And if any of those platforms sort of collapse underneath themselves and become a MySpace, Mm -hmm. what sort of pillars do you guys have in your foundations, so to speak, um, to keep the Kwaku alive? Um, in a post-apocalyptic MySpace sort of TikTok world. Yeah, that is something that um, we've been talking about recently um, because I was I was just thinking about that and also I read about it in class all the time too. Um, so email lists are still very important. Um, so we are thinking about working on that, but we're also trying to think about other platforms and either like some type of like dedicated like fan page group thing or like some place where the fans could you know connect and get news and like get access to me that they can't get in any other place um and that type of bubble of where the fans could be is something that i could grow and that could be how we could protect the 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 following and the access to listeners yeah well there's things like patreon as well which um i think what's the name uh Pomplamoose, if you know if you know Pomplamoose off YouTube, um, one of the co-members founded Patreon. I'm pretty sure. 
Um, but yeah, that, that I've seen a lot of artists do that and they also turn into passive income as well. Be- well, mm. not necessarily passive, but it's subscription income that, you know, they can have different tiers and they also, you also get the emails of everybody who signs up. So it's a good, good strategy instead of having to build a whole platform and all the website fees and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. I'm, I'm just like, I'm so happy I got to get you on today because I was super fanboying moving <laughs> into to, towards a release. I was like, I, I I would have artists complain to me about not being able to get pre-saves and this at the other. I'm like, just just go follow Kwaku. Just go follow him. Look at what he's doing. I'm like, stop bitching. Just look at what he's doing. He's like, like this is this is this is this is like one of my pet peeves is people put one or two videos out or they put one or two pre-save links out and they're like i got 13 pre-saves this this is a total flop and i'm like you serious bro like (laughs) like there 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 are people like putting either hundreds of dollars if not thousands into advertising on facebook and instagram there are people putting out 70 plus videos over a few months like yourself trying to push their pre-save links and Mm. I don't know. I just, I don't mean to be a bit whiny and annoyed, but you know, it's, a, it's, it's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine when people sort of like complain about putting two links out, not getting enough clicks. And then they, they're too blind to see other artists like absolutely working their asses off. Like, so I was just, I was just so excited to see, see the last release. I was so happy. And that's why I'm so happy to have you on. Like you really deserve all the success that comes your way in that respect. Well, I'd say like for the longest time I was those artists that just put yeah. out like two links, you know? Um, so I'd say like, if you can just learn from your mistakes um, and it took me a while to to learn that, like, if you really want it, you have to like go the extra mile and think of like the craziest things. Um, because before I started working with my manager, that was the first thing that he noticed. Um, he was like, yeah, like I've listened to a few of your songs and like, they're not bad um he is like the only thing is like you're releasing one song a year <laughs> he is like you're you're not gonna get famous dropping one song a year you're not drake <laughs> like that that's not how it works anymore you need to be releasing a lot more um and that's that's when i started to realize like oh like you gotta always be putting out content um and that also like when you start putting out more content you also don't have as much of a what's the word i'm looking for like each song is your baby per se, yeah. you know? Um, but when you start putting out more and more songs, like you're not going to grow so attached to something that you're not going to release it. Um, and I feel like that's one of the big problems for a lot of artists is that they grow too attached to something and they want to perfect it. And then they don't feel like it's ever ready to be released. Um, and when you finally understand the balance of like, you know what, I think it's good to go. Let's just put it out so I can start working on something new that's when I think that you're going to be on a road to success. Because once you realize that nothing really prevents you from moving for further. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And, and it's, and it's also funny that I've just lost my thought. That's fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> sorry, bro. I, I had a really good thought to pair with that, but I just ruined your flow. What a shit podcast host. I wouldn't be happy <laughs> about that. Um, but anyway, yeah. Sorry, my, my brain has mental blanks. It's I've been going for five hours this morning. It's only 9.30 in the morning. So <laughs> you're going to have to Damn, excuse me, bro. Um, but <laughs> no, yeah. So what I need you to do then 
is tell the people what's on your cards, what's happening next, where they can find you, where they can stalk you, where they can stitch your TikToks and, you know, join in the fun. Yeah, so you can find all my uh, content on my TikTok, which is at the Boston Boss, T-H-A-B-O-S-T-O-N-B-O-S-S. Um, and that's also the same as my Instagram, where you can find my reels. Um, my YouTube is also the Boston Boss. And my website is also thebostonboss.com. I will be dropping a new song in, I think, in like two, three weeks. Um, so get get ready to start seeing some uh, TikToks for that one. <laughs> Lovely. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so kindly for jumping on. I really appreciate your time and, you know, just going into that world of being a TikTok superstar to get to push pre-saves. It, it was really cool to watch as firsthand experience as it happened in real time. And I love revisiting that and, you know, having a bit of a chat for other people to learn from. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. No worries. All right. Um, and that is the end of the podcast guys. Thank you for listening. Um, like share, subscribe this podcast episode, and we'll be back with more.